Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeupc.org. People have been nicer to me since I got the Texas plate put on my car instead of that that California plate. I had people doing all kinds of stuff to me, but when I got the Texas plate, we're a little bit better now. And so, praise God for that. My wife grew up in Oklahoma, so she's happy to be close to home, and we're happy to be out here. And Brother Smith, you're going to have to let him get away one more time, because uh, I called him and I said, hey, are you willing to preach an installation service one more time? And he said, this is my last time. This is it. <laughs> so he's going to be coming and preaching the installation service for us. But we love them, and uh, we love this church. And to see Brother Trent Smith and his beautiful wife and family, and he was just a rotten kid when we was here back then. He was about 16. Said, hey, wait a minute. Is the dude that took my tires off my truck last time here, if he is, put an usher outside. Let him watch my truck. You guys remember that? How many remembers that? that there's, is that Rodoni in the back? Good to see you, Rodoni. God bless you. I love you. Good to see you. I was here one day in, in service, and while I'm preaching, this young guy goes out there and takes all the tires off my dually truck and puts it on blocks. And when I walked out, he did that for his senior prank to the evangelist. I walk outside after preaching my guts out, and my, my truck's on blocks. And I thought, this is either a test from the Lord or a test from the Lord. <laughs> and uh, thank God he put him back on. We prayed the first time we drove away after that. I thought, I hope the kid knows how to put him on as good as he took him off. We're in trouble. But we are glad to be in church with you today. Praise God. And uh, our, when we evangelize, and I know, I told my wife, I said, a day like this. When it rains 40 days and 40 nights on the way from Dallas to here, that's a, that's a day where sometimes a lot of people will stay home. But I said, I believe God's got a special blessing for those that are going to get out there in the weather and get themselves to church. And I believe that today. Our ministry, we have a heart for the church. Praise God. We have a heart for people that are a part of the church. <clears throat> we grew up in this thing and sleeping under pews. And, and uh, I love the church. And I love the people of the church. And I think when the, way that, the way that we evaluated our ministry, and I know some evaluated it by numbers and how many people got the Holy Ghost. And we're for all of that, and we were fortunate to see many get the Holy Ghost. But I felt like that if I could go to a church and the water level of the church of faith be elevated a little bit by the time I left, that I feel like we've done our job. And our job today on a Sunday night is just to, just to elevate the faith of this church a little bit, bit and get you to believe God for great things that are in store for this church. God is not done moving. He's not done moving. And so we may even have just a little pep rally for a few minutes about the church. But God's done great things. This beautiful building he's given you and all of the technology. I've followed you from, from social media from afar. And I see all the great things that God's doing. And every, But I want to tell you, it's just scratching the surface to what God wants to do. Praise God. It's just scratching the surface. The Lord, 
the Lord said two things about his church. He said, there's two things. Number one, it's going to be called a house of prayer. And he said, number two, my house shall be filled. So if you want to know what God wants out of a church, he wants it to have prayer in it and be full of, he wants it to be full of people, but not just people. He wants it to be full of praying people. Praise God. If the church will pray, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, right? It's not just enough that we come, but it's that we come praying that God's going to have his way tonight. How many is praying that God would talk to your heart today? How many is going to preach with me for a little bit. Will you preach with me? All right. Open your Bibles. I give them the text scripture, Matthew, the 16th chapter. This is Pentecost Sunday, by the way. Have you celebrated Pentecost Sunday yet? Was it mentioned yet? I'm sure it was this morning, Pentecost. I'm not going to just do that. I figure that's probably happened there this morning, but, but you can't help but at least mention that in the Pentecostal church. It's Pentecost Sunday. So we are celebrating Pentecost. Pentecost is not a religion. It's a relationship. It's an experience. Somebody said, well, I don't want to go to that church. I'm not very denominal. I said, me neither. I can't stand denomination. But I love the experience of Pentecost. And that's why I'm Pentecostal, because it's an experience. You'll learn this real quick. I talk fast, and I don't like dead, dull, dry, boring church. I like it hopping, and I like it moving, and I like people that are excited about the Word of God. (laughs) Praise God. So I'll, uh, I'll try to be mindful of the time. I say that for you, but I don't really mean that. Praise God. Matthew, the 16th chapter, and starting with the 13th verse. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? He's always interested in what you think about him. Not so much about what the people that aren't serving him think about him, but what does the church think about Jesus? That's what I'm after today. Today, if you're a guest here, I thank God for you, and I encourage you to return. This is a great church, and make it your church home. But I'm here to preach to the, to the church today. Praise God. He said unto them, Whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I also say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, isn't that an odd thing? Jesus, that's come to reveal himself to humanity, says, I'm going to tell you, but don't tell anybody else. Because it wasn't time for them yet. But he is trying to get the, the Lord will always send revelation to the church first. That's why it's such a good thing to be. You get it first. Before they're going to get it, you've got it. Praise God. I'm going to preach to you today this subject, God's divine strategy. And just to give you a hint, it's the church. Praise God. How many loves the church? How many is thankful for the church? How many, if it wasn't for the church, you wouldn't be here this morning? Oh, if it wasn't for the church, I don't know where I'd be. Where would I be without the church? Where would we be? Praise God. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. And you can be seated with all of the 
Praise God. I also want to say it's good to have my son with me today. Luke is 12, and he didn't have to come today. My, he could have stayed with my brother. He said, Dad, I want to go with you. And I said, come on, you can come with me. So I'm glad Luke is here. Praise God. I love the church. God loves the church. And, and the devil hates the church. In the, in, I kind of, I'm kind of glad that I'm a part of something that, that Satan hates. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad that I'm a part of something that Satan hates. I'm glad I'm not on the same page as he is, going the same direction he is, doing the same things he is, striving for the same things that he's striving for. But I am a part of what he hates. I am a part of the church. Do you understand why Satan hates the church so much? Because that you are the representation of everything that he wanted to be but never got to be. If you understand Satan and why he was cast out of heaven, the Bible says he he became prideful in his heart. And he said, I will be like God. And from the moment that he got pride in his heart and said, I'm going to be like God, God cast him out of heaven. The Bible says that he fell as lightning fell. God got rid of him quick. And, And this... God did something so powerful and that is he created humanity and not only did he create humanity but what did what did what did Satan say Satan says I will be like God and then God stoops down into the dirt of his creation and and begins to form man and creates him in his own image and so Satan when he looks at you he sees the physical representation of what he said with a wrong spirit that he would be and God said you'll never be that and he cast him out and then he creates you and I to look just like God so every time he sees you he's not seeing your blonde hair or your brown hair or how tall you are or how much you way he's saying you're made in the image of God and I wanted to be like that and he cast me out so you are a constant reminder to him of everything he lost and can never happen again that's why he hates you and you know what I hate him because he's the enemy of my soul he's the enemy he he wants to the Bible says he comes to steal kill and destroy he's trying to tear me down so every once in a while it's good to have a little Pentecostal pep rally when we get to the church house and remind ourselves that we're saved sanctified and on our way to heaven is there anybody here that's on your way to heaven has he saved anybody here has he delivered anybody here Has he brought you out of that deep, dark pit and put your feet on the rock to stay? Not only did God do that for you, but then he gave to you and I Satan's ministry. If you understand who Satan was, he was the worship leader in heaven. He was the music director in heaven. He was the the, the most beautiful creation that God had created up to that point and it was his job to sing praises in the presence of the Most High. But from the time that he is cast out, you never read in your Bible where that there was ever singing in heaven again. Some people said, well, they said glory to God and the highest goodwill towards men. The Bible says saying. So I don't know if heaven lost it's it's singing but I know this it's never mentioned again that they were singing but what does he do then he gives that ministry to humanity so when I come down not only do I look like Satan when I sing praises unto him and I worship him I am operating in the ministry that he lost so if the devil's fighting you and if he's been trying to take you down and give you a bad you need to get a song on your lips and a praise in your heart (laughs) 
Praise God. That's why we come to God's house. We don't come complaining about what we've been through. We don't come complaining about how bad the week's been. We don't come complaining about what happened with our wife or what happened with our kids or what happened with our job. But the Bible says when you come to God's house, remember you are a minister. And when you walk into that, the ministry is enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There was never a time that Satan, when he was Lucifer in heaven, could ever enter the presence of God and not entertain him with worship. And so when God took it from Satan, he gave it to the church. So how dare we be so focused on our problem that we forget our ministry when we come to God's house? That's what I love about King David so much. He understood when it was time to take the coat off. He understood when it was time to worship. He said, I can be king tomorrow, but they're bringing the ark in. And when the ark's coming in, there's something more important going on than the kingly robes of the kingdom. But he said, put the linen ephod on me. But then Michael's up there cursing the worshiper. So in every congregation, just about, there are two spirits fighting one another. There is the spirit of the worshiper that is trying to operate in the realm of worship to its God. And there is the spirit of Michael that says this, it's the spirit of carnality that begins to ridicule the worshiper. I want to tell you, don't you ever let, don't you ever let anybody talk you out of your praise. And don't you ever let anybody talk you out of worship. But it is our job. It is our duty. It is our responsibility. It is our ministry that when we come to God, God's house, we enter into it with praise and worship. Glory to God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. If you read, I give them the scriptures, but you don't even have to put it up there. I give them the first three scriptures of Genesis. And when you read the first three scriptures of Genesis 1, chapter 1 through 4, everything, God begins to talk about his creation. And at the end of his creation, at the end of every created day, he says it's good. Did you know that before there was a choir to sing or an organ to play or a drum to beat or hymns to sing that God praised himself all by himself when he created something and said, it's good. Do you understand what that means? He, He is the mighty God that stepped out on nothing and said, let there be something. And it just became because he is sovereign and he is absolutely in control and he totally reigns. The Bible says he's omnipotent and he's omnipresent. He's all powerful in all places at all times. He's omniscient. The Bible says that which means he's all knowing. He's not guessing what he needs to do for you or wondering how to get you out of your dilemma or trying to figure out how to rescue you. He already knows everything about you and everything he needs to deliver you. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. He knows the answer before the question. He knows the sum total before we even try to figure out the equation. He is God and nobody elected him. Oh, we get all caught up with who's being elected and who's for who. I want to tell you, when it comes to creation, it didn't matter what anybody thought. Nobody elected him and nobody can impeach him. John begins to teach about him in John 1 when it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that were made by him that was not without him was not anything made that was made and that particular word logos means intelligence right so it's not just this all-powerful being but it's this intelligent being in the beginning 
God. In the beginning, he had a plan. I want you to know this about the church. If you don't remember one other thing, that the church was his plan from the very beginning. He, I don't, you don't got it yet, but I hope you'll get to the end of the day. He didn't come up with the church because he got tricked. He didn't come up with the church because Satan tricked the church. He didn't come up with the church. He, Bible says it was laid from the foundations of the world. In the beginning, God, he was there first. He was there before anything else existed. He was there before the sun, the moon, the stars, the animals, the mountain, the seas. He was there before the devils, the demons, the spirits of oppression and depression that we fight against. He was there before your problem came. He was there before your situation or your dilemma got bad. He was there before your marriage was in trouble and before your kids went crazy and before your mind started playing tricks on you. He was there before you got frustrated or disgusted. He was there before you got exhausted. He was even there before you got educated. Bible says to some of them, much learning has made a man. Some people are so smart, they think that they've outsmarted God. Oh my God, you can't get enough degrees behind your name to try to put God in his box and dictate to God who he's going to be and how he's going to be it. Not only was he, but the Bible says he is, he is in the beginning, the Spirit of God moved on the face of it, which means he was moving to make things better. God is always moving to make things better. He's creating things. He's not moving to hurt you or moving to try to, to, try to, to, try to stifle you or to, to damage you, but he's moving in your life to make your life better. Praise God. And then he said, let there be light. And he lightens up every situation. Aren't you glad? Do you remember when you come to church and God turned the lights on? Remember when you were in darkness and you couldn't see clearly. And you didn't understand all of this sin and deliverance and, and what it meant to be a child of God. and what it meant. To, but all of a sudden, you come down to a service and a preacher preached a message to you. And the Holy Ghost began to move to you. And all of a sudden, God flipped the lights of your spirit on. And you began to see for the very first time who he was and what he wants to do. Oh, is there anybody thankful for the church this morning? If you are, I'm telling you, stand to your feet, give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you love your church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get excited about the church. Praise God. Do you know that he has the power to speak to your situation today? You might not even feel his presence, but he's here because his word says we're two or three gathered together with my name. I'm in the midst of them. He's here right now. And he's, the Bible says he's a speaking God. And when he speaks it, it has to happen. It doesn't have the option of not happening. It said my word will not be returned void unto me. In other words, if I say it, it will happen. So what we have to do is figure out how do we get God to speak to my situation? I'll tell you how. That's hell. I'll tell you how. You get in the presence of God and you start worshiping Almighty God. You start entertaining the presence of the Holy Ghost. You want God to speak? You need to become a worshiper. I don't, I don't, I don't claim to know everything about church and preaching and pastoring and evangelizing. I've done a little bit of all of it. But I can tell you this, I have never seen anybody get a blessing sitting like this in church.
And we get up and get to our car and wonder, I didn't get much out of that service. No, you probably didn't get much out of that service. Because you didn't come to get much out of that service. You came to punch your clock. You come to do your duty. And the Pentecostals love their resumes. They love their duty. They love, oh, I'm faithful. They love, oh, I'm a giver. I want to tell you, you can give till the cows come home and not get a thing out of God. If you don't come to God with your mind made up that I've come to receive something from the Lord today. But I'll tell you this, I can't read one story in the Bible, Brother Trent, where somebody that cried out to the Lord, God didn't stop what he was doing and answer their prayer. But I read a lot of times where he would have walked right on by them had they not said anything. And there's a lot of times that the healer, the miracle worker, the, the water walker, the deliverer was walking down the aisle of your church. And it's not because he did not have the ability. It's because you haven't plugged into your responsibility. But if you will get a part of this church and become a worshiper, if you'll... This is not just memorized motion. This is not just spiritual calisthenics. This is, we don't just do this because somebody said we got to clap our hands and we got some Pentecostal cheerleader up there telling us we got to do it. If that's what you think it is, you missed out. Because there is power in persecuted praise. See, the devil thinks his philosophy, his logos is, if I persecute them, they won't praise God. Because he understands. If they praise God, God always responds to praise. The devil understands. If you come in here with praise on your lips and a song in your heart and you start calling on the name of Jesus and you start saying God is good and you get your mind right, he understands if you start getting your mind focused on God instead of on your problems, then there's nothing that the devil can do to stop what God wants to do. So I know what I'll do. I'll send a bunch of problems their way. I'll send a bunch of trouble their way. So they'll get focused on their trouble instead of God. And then we come to church bitter about what we're going through. Rather than celebrating who our God is. I didn't come here to do all this. I come to have a pep rally about the church. But I want to remind you that Sunday night crowd and Sunday morning crowds. And, and I understand. I've been around the block. Sunday morning's the visitor crowd. And so we temper our worship down a little bit on Sunday morning. And Sunday night we go crazy. There's not as many men, not as many visitors there. And so we always tactfully bring our visitors on Sunday morning because we don't want them to sit by Sister So and so that's going to wig out. <laughs> I'll tell you the best thing for your sister so and so is to sit by somebody that just wigs right out in front of Jesus. That's what they, because, because, because Satan, and Satan looks at you, and he, he doesn't understand persecution. He, I mean, he understands persecution, but he doesn't understand persecuted praise. Because he said, if you let me touch Job, I will cause him to curse you to your face. And when God lets him touch him, he doesn't get the desired response. He thinks if he can touch your job, if he can touch your family, if he can touch your stuff, that he's going to get the desired result and silence your worship. Because the one thing he does not want to see happen is anybody magnify the God that kicked him out of glory. 
Remember, you look like him. So he cannot persecute God. So he, what he does is he tries to persecute you. If I can't get God, I'll get the next best thing. I'll come after his creation. But all of a sudden, when you come to the church and in the middle of the trial, and in the middle of the trial, and in the middle of the circumstance, you get a hold of praise and worship and start getting in a, oh, there's something powerful that happens when you come into God's house. I'm telling you, there's power in that kind of praise. God cannot help but respond to that kind of a worshiper. If you're a really become a worshiper, he will respond to your situation. How do we get God to speak? We come to his house, and while we're going through trouble, we're saying, thank you, Jesus. And while we're going through trials, we're saying, thank you, Jesus. And while we're going through sickness, we're saying, thank you, Jesus. And when there's more bill than money, we say, thank you, Jesus. Oh, is there anybody here that wants to say, thank you, Jesus? for what he's done. Woo! Oh, the devil doesn't understand this, but God knows what's going on. Used to be a lot easier to preach like this when I was skinny. The devil doesn't understand that when you come in worshiping. Now I just point at skinny people and say, run the aisles for me. Run faster, because when I was skinnier, I used to run faster than that. So we got designated aisle runners. I feel like running the aisles. Go. I got to get back in shape. When God speaks to your situation, it has to happen. Do you understand that? That if God decides tonight... To speak to your situation, to speak to what's been haunting you, to speak to what you've been battling, to speak to what you've been fighting against. If God decides to speak to it, it will bow. Do you understand the kind of authority that God has? Do you understand that Satan, we have a misunderstanding of who Satan is. Satan is not God's evil opposite. He is simply a created being that God created with a purpose that defaulted on his purpose and God evicted from heaven. That's what he is. And God has given him temporary power in this realm to do what he's going to do. But the end of his book is already written. He's already defeated, already destroyed, will end up in hell for an eternity. That's it. But God can speak to your situation. You want to know how the devils respond to the Lord? Look at the demoniac, man full of devils. And when Jesus steps his first foot on the shore, the man full of devils that nobody can tame runs and bows to the feet of Jesus. And the devil speaks to the man and says, have you come to torment me before our time? That is not the man speaking. That's the devil in the man speaking that said, until Jesus got here, we had some authority over this guy's life. But the second that Jesus stepped one foot on that territory, we are no longer in charge. And what he says goes. And if he says, we got to leave we've got to leave and the Lord delivers that man in a moment when God begins to speak I'm telling you the devils have to listen his creation has to listen all we need is for God to speak and the answer is can you get into the presence of God and worship the Lord with all of your heart mind soul and strength (laughs) 
believe in worship. I believe in worshiping churches. I believe in worshiping preach, not worshiping the preacher, but preachers that worship. Don't sit there on your stool and don't wiggle till it's your turn. Come on, man. And that goes for singers and Sunday school teachers and preachers and, and, and ushers and everything else. Because worship is where the battle is won. Worship is where I get the victory. Worship is how I get the victory. Worship, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. But I'll tell you what, when I come to church, I've made up my mind I'm coming to connect spiritually with God. That means I am going to tell my flesh that my flesh is going to worship. I had some sweet saint of God tell me one time, well, you're doing that in your flesh. I said, you're absolutely right, I'm doing it in my flesh. You see any spirits floating around here without a body? Paul said, I put my flesh in subjection. I crucified my flesh. Of course you do it in the flesh. Because we take control over that flesh. The difference is I'm telling my flesh what it's going to do. And your carnal spirit's telling your flesh what it won't do. So of course it's in the flesh. But when you start in, of course you got to start in the flesh. We wake up in the flesh. We eat in the flesh. Some of us eat a lot in the flesh. We go to sleep in the flesh. We do a lot of things in the flesh. But we also start to worship in the flesh. Which means when I come to church, I've told my flesh before it got there. You ain't going to sit there and do nothing. You're not going to sit there and keep your mouth shut. You're not going to come to church and sit down on God. But your flesh is going to magnify the Lord. Your flesh is going to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Your flesh is going to say, thank you, Jesus, and hallelujah. Your flesh is going to exalt the... the... What have you told your flesh to do today? Had another sweet saint tell me, well, it ain't all in worship. I said, it ain't all in the setting there either. (laughs) And I bet you I get a whole lot more out of my worship than you got out of sitting there. You sit there if you want to. But I'll tell you, I, I, I read Paul and Silas started worshiping at midnight. God come let him out of the cave. If you're in a cave today, you can keep sitting there all night long if you want to. But maybe what would happen if you just decided in the middle of your persecution to start praising God and worshiping God? At midnight... He rattled the jail cell and brought him out, which tells me God was content to let them sit there all night long because if it had been his intention to deliver them, he didn't have to wait to midnight. His intention was to let them go through a season of persecution and bring them out the other side. But they started worshiping. And when they started worshiping, God said, well, I was content to let them go through it all night long. I was going to teach them a lesson of endurance and patience and perseverance. But man, the turkey started worshiping me and I can't sit here while they're in a jail cell and worshiping me. I want to shake them out of that cage and get them on out of there. I want to tell you, do you... I quit praying for patience. <laughs> I found the Lord sent me things I had to be patient about. I just try to worship my way out of it as quickly as I can. We endure way too much junk from the devil that we don't have to endure. Way too much junk. The same power that has the ability to deliver your situation at midnight. I wonder what happened if they started worshiping when they first threw him in the cell. Been a short visit. I I like your thinking. I like that. 
I read a story where a woman with spirit of divination followed God's prophets around for days. The Bible says and they, that, that spirit of divination waxed on them days until finally one of them turned around and rebuked it and it left. And my thought is, why do we let spirits vex us for days before we turn around and rebuke it when God's given us the keys of the kingdom? Why are we enduring it? Why are you putting up with it? Why are you, why are we, why are you living with the spirit of fear? Why are you letting fear grip your heart? That's not a spirit from God. I've not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound mind. Why are you letting fear grip your heart? Rebuke it! I got to get to my message. I'm just I'm going to talk to you about the church. The first mentioned principle in the Bible. There's something called the first mentioned principle. You've probably heard about it. Anytime you want to study something out, and, and, and the musicians, I'm not going to preach that much longer because uh, I, I feel like uh, at least come up here and make them think we're closing and we'll get ready. But anytime something is mentioned the very first time, now if you're trying to, 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 to trick me and you're going to go out and not come back, I'm going to preach, be mad at you. <laughs> anytime something is mentioned, the very first time in the Bible, when you want to study something out, you have to go to where it's mentioned the first time. Because when you go to it the first time, that's going to be its first biblical definition. And the Bible, t- we understand through studying it that, that whatever is revealed the very first time, that, that it will always carry that definition through it. So if you read it the first time and it says this, then when you read it six books later or in the New Testament, then you have to connect the, the, the first time that it was mentioned. I'll give you for instance. God tells Abraham, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your only son Isaac. All right? Now the first time we read the word worship is when Abraham takes his son and said, you and I are going to worship Unto the Lord. We're going up to the mountain to worship God. That's the first time the word worship is mentioned. So the principle is Abraham connected sacrifice to worship. So every time you see the word sacrifice, you need to connect it to the word worship. And every time you see the word worship, you need to connect it to the word sacrifice. The two are connected. You can't preach one without the other. Every, every type of worship requires a sacrifice of some kind. And every type of sacrifice is connected to worship. You follow me? First mentioned principle. First time, oh, there's all kinds of them. First time bread is mentioned is when Melchizedek comes in. And the Bible says that Abraham gives to him bread. And, and, and it's a type of, of, of giving bread to the man of God in your life and, and, and giving back to God. And then, and then, you know, you can take bread. The first time blood is mentioned in the Bible is in the garden when it's the covering, the goatskin, and blood is shed, right? And so we understand that anytime you read about blood, you have to equate it to it is the sacrifice for sin. It's connected. Right? That's why, like, another, another good one is snake, right? Or serpent. New Testament says we shall take up serpents and not be harmed. And you got some knuckleheads out there thinking they can run around and grab poisonous snakes and they're not going to get harmed. Every once in a while, one of them bites them and they die. Because they're, they're misinterpreting scripture. The first time the serpent was mentioned was in the garden and it was in reference to Satan speaking through that serpent. And it was in reference of Satan to, trying to deceive mankind. What he's taking, Satan is that demonic spirit that tried to deceive Adam. What he's saying is you can take up serpents. You can take up deadly spirits that are trying to attack the church and not be harmed. You don't have to be afraid of the spirit. You don't got to be afraid of the devil. Am I, are you getting this? So the first time... The word church is mentioned, stand, because it don't take me long to hit where I need to land. 
the first time the word church is mentioned is when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Isaiah. Some say you're one of the prophets. Whom do you say that I am? Now notice what happens. You've got to notice there's two things that are required for the church to be the church. The first thing he says is, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It is the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. You connecting that? The first time, now, now church hasn't been mentioned yet. It's getting ready to be mentioned. But what precipitated the mention of the word church, before he talked to them about the church, he wanted to know, do they have an understanding of who I am yet? And really wants to know, do they know who they are? Because until they know who they are, I can't reveal to them anything about the church. He said, who do you say about? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. The Lord himself says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. The one God revelation is a revelation sent from heaven above and can only be given revelation, uh, through the revelation of Jesus Christ. He has, it's a revelation you have to get. That's why you got Trinitarian theologians that study, uh, but, but having God, they have not yet received the revelation of one God. Can I tell you that the power in the church is around the revelation of one God? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one Lord. Praise God. Am I in a one God church? Here, there is only one God. And his name is Jesus. There's not two. There's not three. There's not five. There's not ten. There's only one throne. There's only one God. I want to tell you, the world is accepting Holy Ghost. They're accepting the outpouring and tongue talking. But they're resisting the one God message. Can I tell you, it is absolutely essential that you understand there's only one God. He said, flesh and blood is not revealed to you, but my Father in heaven revealed it to you. And he says... Once he understands he has the revelation, this is what I want you to leave with today. And this is what I want you to leave next week. When you go back to your job, when you go to your home, when you go to your, your, your situation, your wall. Everybody here, I'm, I guarantee you there's a whole con- all kinds of situations going on. And if we sat down and talked, you'd tell me how, 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 how desperate it is. But I want you to remember this. He says this. Thou art Peter. And upon that rock. What's the rock? The revelation is Pentecost Sunday. What is the rock? The rock's not Peter. The rock is the revelation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, once you have the revelation, I can build... Then he says, I will build my church on that rock. So anything... Now this may offend somebody. I hope it doesn't. Anything that is not built on a one God revelation is not the church. It is not the church. It might have the name of it on there, but it is not the church. Not because they're not good people. Not because they don't love God. Not because they don't have sincere hearts. All of that can be in place. But it is not the church because only the church can be built on the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. If they don't baptize in Jesus' name, it's not the church. Thank you, sis. Amen. I want to tell you, you need a birth certificate to get in this thing called the church. I went to the Texas office to get my driver's license. I walked in there with my ID and said, take this California license and give me a Texas license. They said, where's your birth certificate? I said, 
What do you need my birth certificate for? So we know that you've been born in the United States and you're a city. We either need your birth certificate or your papers of citizenship. I said, I got a California driver's license. I had to get it somehow. We, I, they, they said, in California, they never required a birth certificate to get your driver's license. <laughs> so we had to go back and get a birth certificate. Certificate of live birth. Mark Daniel Stevenson. I'm alive. <laughs> it also says, name of mother, name of father. And they had to sign it on there. And I had to have a birth certificate to get a driver's license. I had to have a birth certificate to be accepted as a citizen of Texas. Some of you say, thank God, right? This is a baptismal certificate. You can come and attend this church all you want to. And we want you to come. You can give and we want you to give. You can pray and we want you to pray. You can worship and we want you to worship. You can dance and we want you to dance. But until you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you are not born into this thing called the church. You must be born again. The Bible says, except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot see God. Repent, what, did, what did Acts 2.38 say? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus. If you were baptized, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, you need to be rebaptized in the name of Jesus. Not because they weren't good people, not because you didn't have a sincere heart, but because the church is built on the revelation of one God and Jesus is his name. One, 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 one. There's only one God. You need to be baptized. If you've been attending this church and you've never been baptized, you need to run to Brother Smith and tell him, I need to be baptized tonight or tomorrow or Sunday or as soon as it possibly can. That is the marriage ceremony of the church. Oh, the world got all excited about a royal wedding this weekend. Let me tell you, the real royal wedding happens in that baptistry chain when somebody goes down in the name of Jesus and we pronounce the name of Jesus over them and they come out of that lit as a new creature. Old things passed away. Old things have become new. How many remembers when you were baptized for the very... And we got any old sinners in the house that remember what it was like when you come to church and got baptized and God changed you? Oh, some of you look real good right now. You clean up pretty good. But if we hung out with you when you's running in the club and running in the hood, you didn't look like you did when you was running in the church. Oh, we look all good with our fancy ties. I always look for any excuse I can to take my tie off in a sermon because it clogs my neck. So I, I wear one to res- be respectful, but it comes off about as quickly as I can get it off. I wear a tie like three hours a week, Sunday and Wednesday, and that's it. We look awful good today, don't we? Have we become so sophisticated in our Christianity? That we forgot. What do you say to the church in Revelations? I have somewhat against you because you lost your first love. 
when you first got saved, you come in here and when you, when you heard the one God message, man, when your eyes lit up, it changed you. You come into the house of God, there was an anointing on you. There was power in you. you. When you first came to church, it didn't matter who was preaching or who wasn't. It didn't matter if he was good or if he wasn't good. It didn't matter if he stuttered and stumbled all over himself because you felt the power of the presence of God. But, but after you've, you know, a hungry person will eat just about anything you feed them. But if we're not careful, we become spiritual foodies. Where we have our favorite stuff. We call them salad bar Christians, right? Well, you take that, but not that. My favorite restaurant in the world is a Brazilian steakhouse. If you ever get a burden to bless us, think Brazilian steakhouse. Because they have this little thing that you just flip up. One's green and one's red. Don't do red. Always do green. And the green just means bring the meat and keep it coming. And you just keep, and every kind of meat, man, they got rack of lamb and bacon wrap filet mignon. And, and I mean, they got everything and it's all so good. And I just, and, but, but after you're full, you start getting real picky. When you first get there, you say, I'll take it, 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 just leave it, I'll take it, I'll take it. But after you've been there a while, you think, no, I don't want that. They bring some of the best meat around, you think, no, 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 oh, I'll take it. Just, just, and, then, and then we get, I just, just give me a little sliver. Just a little sliver. Just, just, and you take it. Mm, that's so good. I should stop. But it's so, and, and, and when you've been living for God sometimes for very long, sometimes that can happen and you walk with God. You used to come to church and everything that was sliced from the pulpit, I'll take it, 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 I'll take it. But we come in now and we're sophisticated. And we think, well, we'll let the hungry people have that, but I'm going to wait for the little piece of filet mignon that's really going to tickle my fancy. We ought not to be like that in God's house. But the Bible says we are saved by the foolishness of preaching. That when that word comes out, it is life. It is good. It's, I like what old brother Foster said. He said, I like good preaching because it makes me want to preach. And I like bad preaching because it really makes me want to preach. <laughs> That's the way it is. He may not be the best guy you've ever heard in your life. But he's breaking fresh bread up there. And if you get your fork and spoon out and come to the altar, I'm telling you, it'll, it'll feed your soul. You've got to have a one God revelation. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you haven't, please do it this week. Do it, make, promise me you're not going to leave. Don't go another day without being baptized in Jesus' name. Don't go to bed and, and not know you're not, you're not saved right with God. The Bible says, except a man be born in the water and the Spirit, he cannot see God. That's not my rule, it's his. Don't get mad at me. Well, we're saved by faith, through grace. Yes, we are. And, and the Lord said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love him, do what he said to do. What do we do to be saved? Every, every instance where there was salvation in the book of Acts, they got baptized in Jesus' name. So do you understand what baptism is? Baptism is for the remissions of your sins. The reason why you can't be saved without baptism is your sins haven't been remitted yet. It's not just about that. It's, well, there's no magic in the water, but there is a God supernatural event that happens in your obedience. When you go down in that watery grave, he takes every sin that you've ever committed and he casts it off of your life. So when you go to eternity and the accuser of the brethren would bring up you and all that you've ever done because your enemy has a list of all your wrongs and he starts reading, you did this and you did this and you did this. God says, wait a minute, they've been covered by the blood. They went down in the name of Jesus. That's no longer attributed to them. You, you can't count that devil because they were baptized in the name of Jesus. There's power in baptism. Thank God for being baptized. But then he says the most earth-shattering, devil-trembling, chain-breaking statement. 
he says this. And the, now don't, don't get a slow song. <laughs> we go, and if we, let's get a, something a little bit, right? You got it. Uh, just they say, just ask what you want, <laughs> and then we get it. He says this. And the gates, now remember, this is the first time the church is mentioned. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. So what does that mean? That means this. From that time till now, every time the word church is mentioned, you have to attach it to the very first revelation that came with it. Every time, that means every time, it's hundreds of years down the road. When the church is being persecuted, you have to go back to the first time and say, yeah, we're being persecuted, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When you're living in 2018 and there's all this craziness going on in our world and it looks like there's not a whole lot of hope for a whole lot of people and they say it's impossible to build the church, you have to go back to the day one and say, yeah, but the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. The reason why I come to church today is not based on what I feel or what my week looks like or what I drive or where I live. It's based on the church shall not prevail. I'll tell you what's going to fail. That out there is going to fail. That out there is going to be lost. That out there is going to go to hell but in this house the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church now let me add one final maybe understanding to it and then we'll crank it up gates are inanimate objects gates don't move gates don't attack you we take that and we think, well, I'm part of the church. So if I just go hide over in the corner, when hell attacks me, the gates aren't going to hurt me. Gates don't move. The gates of hell is not Satan attacking you. It's not spiritual stuff attacking you. The gates of hell is what used to lock you in when you died. The gates of hell, when you died before, prior to Calvary, you were condemned to live in hell because of sin. The wages of sin was death, and we were forever separated from God. What he's saying is, when you used to die, there used to be no hope for you. And when you used to die, that was it. But he said, I've come to purchase your salvation and he said when I came forward I came forward the keys to death hell and the grave I gave the keys to the church so that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you what that means is the church has the key to every problem and every cell that hell would try to entrap you in if you're living in a cell of, of, of bitterness right now the church has the key to bitterness if you're living in a cell of anger the church has the key to anger if you've been through a bad divorce and a breakup the, the church has the key to your happiness. If you were abused as a child, the church has the key to your happiness. Whatever cell life tries, hell tries to trap you in, the church has the key. That's why I worship when I come to church. That's why I get excited. That's why I run aisles. That's why I clap my hands. I, they don't have to talk me into it because the church has the key to my problem. Now they're going to crank this music up in just a minute. If you're here this tonight and you've got a dilemma and you've got a problem, don't sit back there carrying in the corner hoping hell doesn't come and try to attack you. You get some boldness in your spirit, run down to the front of this church, throw your hands in the air and say, give me the key, God, to the jail cell I'm living in. Sing it, sing it, sing it, come on.
Is there any worshipers in the house? Is there anybody here that wants some deliverance?